Amen. Well, beloved brothers and sisters, would you open your copy of God's Word this day to Psalm 16? We will again undertake uh, this month getting back to our pattern of month, monthly taking one Lord's Day and working through the Psalms. We will be looking today, I just want to stand and let's read this together. Why don't you go ahead and stand, let's read Psalm 16 together. Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for in you I put my trust. O my soul, you have said to the Lord, you are my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. As for the saints who are on the earth, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. Their sorrows shall be multiplied, who hasten after another God. Their drink offerings of blood I will not offer, nor take up their names on my lips. O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lions have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life. Your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. As far as the hearing of God's word, may it be blessed to us. You may be seated, brethren. Brethren, we are living in a time in which maybe more than ever before, certainly in my lifetime, people are pursuing, they are pursuing every sort of idolatrous substitute for true joy that is conceivable to the mind of man. We are in a society that has enabled us to proliferate, to promulgate almost beyond end the ability to pursue pleasures, indulgences, things that satisfy temporarily, that leave us with a gaping joy hole in our hearts. Even among the Christian church, we have by and large substituted the deep and resounding joy of the Lord as our strength with uh, all sorts of, of entertainment-inducing uh, apparatus to uh, promote pleasures. 
to appeal to our senses. Brethren, I, I want to challenge you today. The focus of this psalm, in which I believe the Lord would have you to hear today, and to see one thing, is that with David, so too with us, the call is for us to seek our delight and our joy in the Lord alone. David, at the time of writing this, we're not given specific details on this psalm about the circumstances there. But there's two things I want, to, I want to point out. Number one is that we can kind of induce from some of the things said in the psalm that this was written before David was crowned, before he was actually coronated as king. We're told in one passage in 1 Samuel 26, I think it's verse 19, where David speaks there. He is, he's at that point where he's the second time has just spared the current anointed's life. He is standing on the opposite hill, opposite the valley, as Saul's men have been sleeping there. And David and his men have infiltrated. They actually took, remember, the spear from Saul. And he's standing and says, My Lord Saul, and Saul wakes. And David calls out, and among the things he says in 1 Samuel 26, he says, Why, why are you chasing me? I have actually sought to protect the, the Lord's anointed as it is, even though David knew he had already been anointed as the successor. The inheritance of the kingdom and all that entailed was already in principle his. And yet David was on the run. His companions were, uh, were vagabonds and, and refugees who had fled from the tyranny of the current oppressive regime wandering the wilderness with him. He had already by this time seen, uh, been associated and gone to feed his men to the priests of Nob, you remember. And had been blessed by them just to see Saul come and hack them, hack them to death, give the order for that they would be hacked to death by Doeg the Edomite. You know, David's looking at this scenario and saying, Lord, I know in the principle of the things I've got this inheritance I remember my anointing. I remember the promises Samuel spoke over me. But I'm going to tell you, Lord, I'm struggling. I'm struggling for joy. I'm struggling to find delight because right now my earthly circumstances are not delightful. They're difficult. We're tired and weary and got a, uh, just tired of fighting. And yet what we see here, brethren, is David calling out to the Lord. And I want to take this as the theme today. He is fighting for joy. Because he knows that the joy is there because the eternal God who is his delight is there. He is not fighting for joy in his soul by looking to circumstances. He is fighting for joy in his soul by turning his focus on the Lord in some very tangible ways, practical ways, which we're going to see today, which I hope will be a blessing to you and encouragement to you as you seek and pursue your joy in the God who has made promises and who has given you and assured you of a beautiful and glorious inheritance. Let's consider briefly, brethren, from this psalm, I just want to give you some very practical uh, application principles to derive from this today. How, how do we as Christians go about seeking and pursuing joy in the midst of a largely joyless 
idolatrous, pleasure-seeking world, how do we go about pursuing eternal joy that transcends circumstances when our circumstances can often be so difficult? Because that's what we need. Let's consider, first of all, I'll say the first application here is the first thing we do is we call upon God in believing prayer for your present preservation. We, we, we reform types, we talk about, you know, the, the perseverance of the saints. Brethren, we must persevere to inherit, right? But what David is going to start with here at the beginning is calling on the Lord. You notice here, he calls on the Lord in verse 1. He tells the Lord, preserve my soul. Lord, I know that you've made these promises to me that I'll be the king. And I have to, which means my life, I, must, I believe you, my life must be spared. But I still must persevere. I must go forward. I must go forward in faith and fight. I'm not there yet, right? The promises are driving David on. The faithfulness of the Lord is driving David on. And yet he's in the middle of a fight for his life. He's running, and, and it looks like he's come this close to death several times now, right? You can imagine he's going, Lord, what's going on? And so what does David do? Well, he starts, he, he calls upon God in believing prayer. Preserve me, O God, for I, in you I put my trust. It's that simple. That's, that's <laughs> Brethren, that, that, Lord, I must persevere. I know I must persevere. I must not quit. I must go forward in faith and fight the good fight. I must run the race set before me. But Lord, as I do, would you preserve me so that I will persevere? Preserve me. Uphold me. Brethren, as you run the race that's there for us to run, whatever your circumstances are you find yourself in, I want to exhort you to do this. Would Oh God, my God, preserve me today. I have much to do, and there's many difficulties, many, many enemies, maybe many roadblocks on the way to the celestial city. There's, there's many diversions, many pitfalls. There's vanity fairs. There's those that would seek to do me ill. There's, you know, giant despairs and so on. There's liars and deceivers. Father, as I have set myself to persevere and go in faith and overcome to obtain the celestial city and to go on that narrow way, would you, Father, though unseen, Jesus, King of the Hill, would you preserve me and don't let my feet stumble? That's number one. Oh, God, preserve me. Call upon God in believing prayer for your present preservation as you strive to persevere. Number two, verse two. As you seek to live by faith and persevere, pursue joy in the Lord, which is your strength and your endurance, talk to your soul about the goodness of the Lord. Look at what he says in verse 2. Oh, my soul, you have said literally to Jehovah, you are my Lord. It's kind of reminiscent of like Psalm 110. Uh, Jeremiah alluded to it earlier in present. The Lord said to my Lord... <laughs> Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Jehovah said to my Adonai, what the Hebrew says, the living God, God the Father, said to my Lord, David says. You remember Jesus says, David calls him Lord, speaking of Jesus. And yet here in this psalm, David 
He calls to the Lord and he says, Oh, my soul, this is, so, this is good holy self-talk. My soul, you have said to Jehovah. What did he say to Jehovah? What did David say to his soul? What did he say to Jehovah? My soul, you said, I said to Jehovah, you are my Lord. You're my master. You are my king. And then he says, my goodness is nothing apart from you. That phrase in the Hebrew, my goodness is nothing apart from you, if you've looked in various translations, you'll see that that phrase gets translated a multiplicity of ways. New King James, my goodness is nothing apart from you. ESV, I have no good apart from you. Um, you know, uh, some literal translations, uh, I, I, I have uh, all my good is unto you or abides in you um, for your sake. I will tell you, the Hebrew is very short, pithy, and it's, 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 it's hard to pin it down exactly. I will tell you, though, in the context, I agree with the commentators who take this to say what David is saying is essentially that any good thing I have, I mean, again, remember where he's at, right? He's in the wilderness. He's with these vagabonds running from Saul, knowing there's a great glorious future ahead of him, but he's struggling. Lord, in this wilderness... My soul said to Jehovah, to my master, to my Lord, I don't have any good thing apart from you. If there's going to be any good to me out in the wilderness, it must come from you and in you. And I know you're watching me right now, my master and my Lord. Because the true king of all kings, the true anointed, is not with Saul and his people back in Jerusalem. <laughs> the true anointed is with me and my men out here. The king is in our midst. And every good and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights. And there's no variation or shadow of turning. David saying, my soul said to Jehovah, said to the Lord, in these circumstances, if I'm going to have good things here and blessings, rocks of water in the midst of the wilderness, if I'm going to have manna in the midst of these circumstances and blessings, it must come from you and I know that. So my soul will say, I will call upon the Lord in the wilderness because I know he will give me water. He will bring streams of water. He will feed me there. What else does his soul say, though? So he's talked to his soul about the goodness of the Lord. Third thing, those who are pursuing their joy in the living God, they walk with the excellent saints and they separate from idolaters. Look at verse 3 and 4. While David's out in the wilderness fleeing from Saul, trusting in the, his, his Lord, his master who is in the camp with them on every good thing. He says, also he says here, he says, as for the saints who are on the, the, saints who are on the earth, here's what he says. He says, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. So here's David. He has gone, again, the priest of Nob. They helped and blessed him. They did righteousness to him and to his men, even at the cost of their own life. And David is surrounded by uh, people who are, have, have essentially are also ref, who are also uh, have fled from the persecution with him. And the, it's not just David out in the wilderness, but the Lord has given David this ragtag, increasingly growing group of people who recognize and love Jehovah. 
and who recognize that David is the Lord's anointed, and they have therefore said, we are allied with him, even if that means we're going to be out in the wilderness, or to use Hebrews 13, outside the gate, for we have an altar which those inside have no right to eat of. So yes, we're going to go with the Lord's anointed, his anointed, and with the anointed Lord who's in our camp, we're fine with leaving Saul. We're fine with not being inside the gates. We're fine with not currently, presently having uh, my foot on the inheritance. Because better to be one day in the Lord's house where the Lord is than a thousand (laughs) back there, right? I would rather be with the saints, David says. So David's saying, I'm pursuing my joy. I'm pursuing my delight in the living God. And I'm surrounding myself with people who are doing that too. And the opposite then is in verse 4. He speaks of those, their sorrows will be multiplied who are hastening after another. Literally another God, another king. The word God is supplied there. Just the Hebrew says, their sorrows will be multiplied who hasten after another. Whether another God or who, who hasten after, uh, uh, who hasten ultimately after Saul, Right? who is a wicked, tyrannical, evil, ungodly, unrighteous king. Regardless, David's saying their sorrows will be multiplied. It's coming if they're hastening after some substitute for the true God and some substitute for the people who love God. David says, I won't take up their drink offerings of blood. I don't care how much they may invoke the name of Jehovah because they're taking his name in vain. They don't love him. Saul doesn't love the living God. Let them have their tabernacle for now. I will surround myself with the saints of the Lord who love him and who love his people. And I won't take up their names. I won't throw in my lot with them, take up their names on my lips. I'm going to be separate from them who don't love you so that I can separate myself unto and walk with the saints in the earth who are the excellent ones, the holy ones in whom is all my delight. Brethren, do you see the application here? If you want to have joy in the Lord that transcends your circumstances, surround yourself both within this congregation, but brethren, even outside this congregation. Surround yourself with brothers and sisters who love Jesus manifestly, not in word only who play church, but it's like, you know, it's David and Jonathan, right? Like They just love Jesus. And when I'm around them, they spur me on to Christ and to love him and they strengthen my faith. They don't criticize and destroy me. They just say, look to Jesus, sister. Look to Jesus, brother. Let me pray for and with you. Let me spur you on to joy and holiness and build you up in the Lord because I love Jesus just like you do. And David's saying, surround yourself with people like that. And their joy will be your joy. Separate from those who are practicing idolatry and taking the Lord's name in vain. Number four. As you pursue your joy in the Lord, David says, verse 5 and 6, Thank the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for His covenant faithfulness and grace. You know, one thing this past week at Presbytery, a theme that just kept coming up again and again, 
Uh, I mentioned it in our church report, but I heard it from several others, was this, this notion, this idea of in everything giving thanks. We, we, we quote that verse, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. That's nice. That's, we like that verse because it's so short, I can remember, even I can memorize that, right? <laughs> but in everything give thanks. You in the wilderness? As I call on the Lord, preserve me, O God. And I remind myself that all my goodness in the wilderness must and will come from Him. But Lord, I thank You. Lord, I thank You for my circumstances right now. I do. I I thank You for my wilderness. I know this is not the end for me. You've uh, allotted good things for me, an inheritance. But Lord, thank You that when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus is with me. And Lord, I thank You that I would rather go through this circumstance in this valley right now, wherever it is, with Jesus with me, than to have ease and pleasure without Him and without the saints. That's the idea. Thank the Lord for His covenant faithfulness and grace. Look what He says in verse 5 and 6. He says, O Jehovah, You Yourself, literally, You Yourself are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. I have a good inheritance. What's He mean? Number one, David recognizes that even though, yes, he is the anointed king, Uh, successor to Saul. He is the one to whom the kingdom will come. David is speaking in very priestly language here. When it's all said and done, my fundamental inheritance is not terra firma, ground. It is that, you know, think back to the conquest, David uh, of the tribe of Judah, there was land allotted to Judah and good land, right? But David is saying, when it comes right down to it, right now, me and my people, I'm not sitting my foot like those with Saul on the, on the land of my inheritance. I've been driven out from my inheritance and running like a vagabond. But even here, Lord, you are my portion. You are my inheritance. It was kind of like have inheritance, will travel, right? My inheritance goes with me. Because the Lord is my portion in the wilderness. You are my cup and it will not run dry. The portion of my cup, every good thing in my life or every evil thing that comes that he's going to turn for good. Lord, you yourself have gone out with me and my saintly companions. You are the portion of my inheritance. You are the one who is the allotment of and the substance of the cup of my life that you've called me to drink. And it's going to be blessed. You are the one who will maintain the lot that you have assigned to me in my Adonai, my Jesus Christ. And yes, yes, Lord, the lines have fallen to me. The allotment lines of my boundaries, of my apportion in my life. Think back to Acts 17 when Paul says there to the um, Athenians, he, he speaks and he says that the Lord himself has apportioned to all nations, to all men, their boundaries, that they should seek God, though he's not far from any of us. The Lord is the one who appoints your life, every detail of your life, brethren, Beginning to end, and I know you know this, but I want you to feel it today. The circumstances you find yourself in right now, brethren, they're not by accident. They're the result of a loving, holy, good king who has so ordered your life and said, look to me, you will find me here right in the middle of this, and I am your portion. 
I am your cup. I have not abandoned you. And those lines are going to fall to you in excellent places. Live by faith. Because the Lord is not just out there. He is right there in Peoria, in Arthur. He is with you in your home. Martinville. We have a goodly inheritance. It will be ours. And it is. Number seven. um, Fifth thing. Seek the Lord's counsel. How do you pursue your joy in the Lord? How do you pursue that circumstance triumphing over and overcoming joy that is your strength and your perseverance and your preservation? Number five, seek the Lord's counsel and bless and rejoice in the Lord for His guidance. Look what he says. I will bless Jehovah because He has given me counsel. My heart, literally the Hebrew there, the Hebrew is my, my kidneys. The idea is my inner man. My innermost man instructs me in the night, in the night seasons. I've set the Lord before me always because he's at my right hand. That is the place of my trusted advisor. Because I have sought the Lord as my, as my counsel, I won't be moved. And therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. So David says, I'm going to bless Jehovah. Why? Because he, when I called out to him in the midst of this, here we are running, and he called out to the Lord. He said, Lord, I need wisdom. I don't understand. You told me back in 1 Samuel 16 that I was going to be the next king of Israel, and you anointed me. You didn't tell me about this part. You didn't tell me about 1 Samuel 20 through 31 and about me fleeing from my life and spending all these years running, right, before I received that inheritance. And David says, I've sought the Lord. I think James chapter 1, right, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of the Lord. He has wisdom liberally and it will be given to him. Brethren, do you need wisdom today? Are you in a circumstance in your life? Say, Lord, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand how this fits into the grand narrative arc of me and my inheritance in Jesus Christ and the glory you've set before me. Brethren, David says here, I, I, I blessed the Lord. I, I pronounce blessing on the name of Jehovah my King, and He has given me counsel. My innermost man in the Spirit my renewed man instructs me, even in the night seasons. Here's David laying on his, laying on his bed or on his cot. You can imagine here it is 2 in the morning, and he, he just wakes up, you know. The Lord wakes him up, or maybe just too much coffee before he went to bed. I don't know. But here he is in the middle of the night. He can't sleep. And what's going on? He says, even in the night seasons, my, my inner man, the spirit of the Lord, my king, he instructs me and he opens and enlightens my eyes. I called to him in the night watches. Lord, are you there? Lord, do you hear my soul? I need wisdom. And the Lord speaks to me in the night watches and he enlightens me. And he says, this is why this is happening. This is this is. Let me give you wisdom and discernment, David. So he says, I bless the Lord. He has given me counsel. My heart instructs me in the night seasons. And why? Because I've set the Lord before me. Because I set the Lord before my eyes and I'm looking for his answer. I'm expecting him to give wisdom as he promised. I've, I've, I have not just said, woe is me. My circumstances are a mess. Let's go to the world for wisdom. Let's go find a self-help book. 
Those aren't always bad, but he says, when my circumstances were hard, he says, I got down and I kept getting down. I said, Lord, you are my wisdom. I have no goodness apart from you. So here, Lord, give me wisdom. I wait for it. I look for it. Enlighten my eyes to understand. David says he called and called and the Lord gave it to him. He gave him wisdom because David had put the Lord at his right hand. And again, we think that's kind of interesting because, you know, in the Scriptures, the right hand is the place of of honor, right? When a king would come and extend the scepter to somebody to allow them to come up. If if you got the seat at the right hand, that's the, the seat of highest honor. What he's saying here, because I have set the Lord before my eyes, I am looking for his expectation, I'm looking in expectation for his wisdom, for his guidance and his leading, because I have said, Lord, I will honor you as God, and I will not look to the world. You're at my right hand. Instruct me and advise me as my trusted wisdom and counselor. Because I've set him there, I will not be moved. doesn't matter what Saul is doing. I will be preserved because the Lord won't let me fall. I will persevere because the Lord will preserve me, just as I asked him back in verse 1. But David was looking for the wisdom. Brethren, are you looking for it? When you're in difficult circumstances, let's not spend our lives just going through with our eyes closed kind of feeling. Say, get on your face, Lord, I need light. And I will have light because you are light. And in your life, we see light. You're the light of the world. Open my eyes to see. He will give us wisdom. Number six, last two. Hope in the Lord for future and final preservation. You're seeking joy in the Lord. Now, you remember I quote, we quoted from Acts 2. Peter quotes these verses here and he applies these to Jesus and rightly because it's the spirit of Christ that was breathing in Jesus. These out. David had been running. before For David, before exaltation came humiliation, right? For Jesus, before exaltation came humiliation. But we're told of Jesus in Hebrews 5, it says that he, though... He was the son of God, yet he cried out with cries, vehement cries and groanings to him who was able to deliver him from death. And he was heard because of his godliness. And the Lord did deliver him both from death and then through death. And so that's why Peter can call on this and he can say, this is the spirit of Christ. But like Jesus, like David, when you're struggling for for light, for joy, Hope in the Lord for your future preservation. Look what he says there. My heart's glad. My glory rejoices. I'm in the wilderness. Why? My flesh will also rest in hope. You won't leave my soul in Sheol. You won't leave my soul in the grave. Nor will you allow your Holy One. There's the reference to Jesus. You will not allow your Holy One. My, verse 2, my Lord, my Adonai, you won't allow my, your Holy One, my Lord, you won't allow him to see corruption. You see, David was looking to the gospel of Jesus, that great seed who was going to come already. And he says, bring Saul on. Let Saul do his worst. My preserver will preserve me. 
whether from death or through death, I will not fear. You will not abandon me to the grave. You have laid before me a goodly inheritance. You will preserve me in the land of the living. You will take care of me because my Holy One, my Jesus, He will go to the grave and back again. He will not see corruption and He will go on high so that the Lord can say to my Lord, You are my Lord. And receive His inheritance because He is my King. Brethren, hope in the present for the future and final preservation of your life and your soul. Because see, brethren, when you know that Jesus, Jesus, that He sovereignly has you in His hand, it gives you a holy boldness and courage. You're not touchable. (laughs) You don't live in fear like other people do. You don't live in hopelessness like other people do because you have got Christ. And He has got you. And lastly, as you're pursuing hope in the Lord, delight yourself. Delight yourself in abiding in the Lord's joyful presence and His life-imparting path. Look what he says in verse 11. Here's David's great joy-producing confidence. You, Jehovah, you will show me the path of life. Even out here in this wilderness, you will show me the path of the narrow way of life. You'll show me the way, the narrow way, onto the celestial glory that you've prepared for me and your people. Because in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Brethren, just remember, and I'll close with this. Remember Pilgrim's Progress. You know, when Christian sets out from the city of destruction, right? All he has at the beginning is that he has got this, this book. <laughs> Flee from the wrath to come, evangelist has said. Go to yonder light. He can't see the celestial city at that point. He's just believing it's there. He sees only a yonder light. And he sees just enough down the road for the next step. But brethren, what Christian finds is that Jesus himself, the king of the hill, was walking with him all the way. Even when he got off the, in Vanity Fair or when he got off the way and into giant despair or other you know, missteps, when he was stuck in the slough of despond, why didn't he do like pliable and go back? Because Jesus sent help to pull him out. Because Jesus sent faithful to walk with him. Jesus sent hopeful to be his escort, the excellent ones in whom is all his delight. And together, that cord of two strands, three strands that can't be broken, they together, they walked that narrow way and they inherited glory because they believed that in the celestial glory and the presence of the Lord was fullness of joy at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Brethren, I want you to be a joy-pursuing people today. I don't want you to settle for the passing pleasures of sin and the trivialities of this world. Wherever the Lord leads you, I want you to be a people that are besotted with and will settle for nothing less than eternal, lasting fullness of joy in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I sure thank you that you have given us this psalm. 
with its clear directives for how we are to go about pursuing our joy in you all along the way. Because you yourself are our inheritance. You are our portion in our cup wherever we go. Who have we in heaven but you? And we desire nothing on earth beside you. Our flesh, our heart may fail, but you, O oh God, are the strength of our heart and you are our portion forever. You will uphold us. You will keep us. Father, give us the grace to always pursue you, to hold fast to you, to see you, to seek your wisdom and your light, and we will find you to be a very present help and a very present source of joy and light, even in the darkest of places and even in the most difficult of circumstances. Preserve us, O God, for in you we've put our trust. In Jesus' name, amen.